Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. Welcome. Uh, we just move through the scriptures every week, bit by bit, trying to point out things that um, that we love, that we think will be helpful in your teaching and sharing and groups and everything. And um, we're so glad that you're along for the ride. This is such a rad community. Yeah, so we love this community. Yeah, if you're new to it, welcome. We welcome you with big, fat, open arms and a kiss. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well. A holy kiss. Okay. Um, you guys. This is such a cool section of scripture that we're jumping into, but we're going to put, let's show the timeline first because we do that anyways, but it's also really helpful. One of the reasons that we made this is just to be a consistent reminder that this, the Old Testament and new, the whole Bible is one continuous story and we have to break it up week by week as we read and study but it's really important to like understand where we've been in order to like appreciate like where we are in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's one of the things. P.S. If you are new and you don't know about this, you can go to don'tmissthisstudy.com and download it for free. And it, all these pieces come with it and the print off for it. You have to pay to print it, but all that stuff comes. Okay. So we're putting on this next piece and, and this is kind of... Um, where we've been, right? Two parts that are kind of be important from where we've been is number one, the story of Adam and Eve, where there kind of was, they lived in God's presence. There was this, they experienced that blessing. It was this peaceful, beautiful, wonderful place. And then the way the Genesis tells it, a rebellion kind of fractured that and they're out of his presence now. And it's like, oh, they want to get back. And God's trying to restore that relationship together. Um, then you get here Enoch and Zion, and it kind of works with them. It's this cute little story yeah. that happens that just works. And then you get Noah's story, and you're like, you can see the effects of that rebellion, yeah. that fractured relationship. And this is kind of like um, a reboot. And yeah, I like a what start you said. Over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you said last time about that. And he makes a promise to Noah that says, I won't give up on the human family. I'm going to keep trying. And we find out more about that promise with Abraham because he says, I'm going to actually use you and your family to help restore all the blessings that I promised way back here, that I've been promising all along to the rest of the world. So we get this family that's set apart to help restore the blessings, God's blessings and his presence to the rest of everybody else. We don't quite know how yet. So then Abraham has a son, Isaac, and Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel, and he has 12 sons. And this now becomes what we call the house of Israel, the children of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel is who they become. Um, They sell their brother into Egypt, and then later they get reconciled all together with him, and they hug, and everything's happily ever after at the end of Genesis. Then you get to the book of Exodus, and everything's broken, and they're slaves, and they need help. And Exodus, we follow the first half of the book of Exodus, which was the story of God rescuing his people out of the bondage of Pharaoh. And then last time he took them to Mount Sinai, where he introduced this idea of 
I want to have a covenant relationship with you. I want to call you to be a holy people. I want to perpetuate the promise I made to Abraham. There, there you are. To Abraham and have you represent me and take my holiness and blessing through the rest of, to the rest of the world. And we're going to do that by entering into this covenant relationship with each other. And I love as we go through here, we're going to watch this redeeming or redemption or deliverance process that is going to happen here. And now we get to Mount Sinai and we're going to start watching this covenant process that is going to happen. So we're, we see both. We see this delivered. And then now we're going to watch them prepare to enter in. And you remember last week we talked about there was a process for entering into covenant relationship. And that included like inward purification was the first thing. The second thing was setting bounds, right? That's what's going to happen in a covenant relationship. There is expectation and condition that just is true. And we'll talk about in a minute, there's a difference between love and a God who has unfailing love and also talking about a covenant relationship, which comes with expectation and condition. My covenant relationship with Greg includes conditions and expectations within it. And that's what they are about to enter into is this covenant relationship. But we're going to watch all of the same things that have happened. Um, you know, this, this constant up and down and up and down process of entering into relationship with God. And we're going to see that really clearly this week. That's yeah. why we chose. So we chose for this picture, the golden calf, because it's going to show just the consistent nature of humanity's rebellion <laughs> <laughs> and how quick they are to turn. And also the consistent and unfailing love of God and his, and his continual invitations to live in a special relationship with him. Yeah. And so, to turn again, to turn right, again yeah. back to him, which we love the thought of that. Okay. So this starts off, if, if you were to drop into the Bible in Exodus 24, you wouldn't understand what's happening. So you and before you actually like, get here, um, do you want to talk about the dailies that we're getting so many emails yes, yes, about? Yes, 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 yes. Good plan. Okay. Friends. The dailies are so fun. If you don't know, we have this app and it includes all the things that our videos come in, the podcast comes in, the newsletters come in all in one convenient Maybe place. Maybe just show all those things oh. and then people will know what you're talking about. Yeah, on the app. This is going to be backwards, but you're going to be fine. And the videos are right here and the podcasts are all right here and the newsletters include teaching tips for teens and kids and ideas for group study or whatever or all right there. And then past year's episodes are in there also. Um, but there is this section called daily that includes a daily devotional um, that corresponds with the reading that we're in. A song, a picture, a quote, an insight, something just for each Yeah, like five minutes. You're, yeah. Five minutes of your day to just be like, I just want to have this come follow me study Something to ponder about every day. Yeah. So anyways, it's in this section called daily and we're getting emails like, oh no, they stopped. So in there we have a, <laughs> several sections. One is the promises to covenant Israel. We're keeping track of them through the whole Old Testament in this section. This next section is Genesis. And that's where all the daily devotionals were found for the book of Genesis. Now, since we're in the book of Exodus, they're going to be in the Exodus. So all the daily devotionals are divided by the book that they're found in. So just make Maybe, sure you... Yeah. Yeah. That's so, good. Good. Yeah. You can just Yo, click it. Are there it more? I don't know. Like, can you show what comes after Exodus or does it yeah. only? Yeah. Then so Leviticus maybe show them all will the be books. next. Yeah. And then numbers will be next. And it 
goes like that. Okay. So fear not. They are there. <laughs> People were so sad. They're like, we love those so much. And they disappeared. And I was like, oh, oh no. I better no, tell are. everybody about them. Yeah. Okay. So at the base of Mount Sinai, God says, um, I want you to remember that I already set you free. Right. And he does at the beginning of 19 and 20. And he says, now I want to call you into this special relationship. And I want to commission you to, to take that responsibility that I promised Abraham and, and live that out in the world. So he's calling them to a different way of living. And this is what you were just saying, that there's a difference between, you know, does God love me? Yes, for sure. And that love is unfailing. But now he's calling them into a special type of relationship and going to give them a unique commission that's different than everything else. And so the way he like now interacts and teaches them is for this higher, different, deeper, deeper relationship and function in the world, right? God's like, I love the whole world, but now I'm calling this particular group of people to go take my blessings to the rest of the world. So I'm going to train you and teach you and mold you in order to become that kind of people. And they agree to it. Yeah. They and say, I love as you watch that process and we're going to watch it over and over again, that there's going to be um, this inward purification that takes place, right? These inward um, rhythms of holiness that they enter into fasting, prayer, um, you know, the, the things that we would think of that help us become pure, that was part of this process of getting ready. But also part of the process that's described in scripture is what scripture calls the Lord set bounds. He's going to set bounds round about. And, and we're going to start watching this God who has an unfailing love for his children also set up conditions and expectations and bounds that are going to help them to be able to do this great work of gathering and helping people to become, um, that's going to require these bounds. And what the bounds allow them to do is prepare to enter the mount. And I love that we see that in our day, right? We have things that we do that um, purify us or help us to become holy inwardly. Um, these rhythms of holiness that we participate in. But we also have bounds that have been set. Uh, we would call these commandments or laws. Um, They're just conditions of that covenant relationship. Yeah, if you that, that recommend this, you right. into relationship with God at, at a deeper level that prepare us then to be able to enter the mount today, which we would call the temple today. Yeah. And, and I love that what we see here is a God that does not change. He doesn't change, right? That God with the unfailing love for the people of Moses wandering in the wilderness that set bounds for them to be able to accomplish all of the great good he had in store for them is still the same God we worship today who wants to help us become and enter into deeper relationship. And he's also going to set bounds and yeah. expectations. And sometimes there's, you know, there's kind of a growing cultural idea that, um, that God shouldn't set bounds, that that contradicts that he's a loving God. And it's like, wait, that doesn't actually make, make sense. much sense. 
Um, because there are bounds, like you were saying, in every relationship. In order for a relationship to flourish, there has to be kind of conditions and bounds. Further, if they want to become this holy people that can like represent God to the rest of the world, you can't just live the way that you want to live. <laughs> we already saw that. He rescued them from Egypt. He showed them how much he loved them. And then by day two, they were complaining. And wanted to, were, go they wanted to go back. They wanted to go they back. They were just, you know, and he keeps like coming, even though it's just like, oh, they, they always, they keep complaining. He keeps rescuing them from the battles and the bitter waters and, and all of those yeah. things. You know, the fact that he hasn't given up on them yet mm-hmm. is evidence of his unfailing love. But now at Sinai, he's calling them to live differently, to experience something more holy and to take a commit, to take on a responsibility, you know, to the rest of the world. So he's like, of course I'm going to, I'm going to shape you. The bounds are ways of shaping the relationship and the commission. And do you love this idea that he, he in essence proved his love for them through the Exodus? Oh yeah. Like he, he just proved that love. I will show up. I will deliver, I will rescue, I will save, I will heal, I will, like, they didn't do anything, and all of that happened for them. All he asked of them was, trust me, and I can save you. And I can save you. That's it. Yes. And they did. And I love, and he's like, and let me show you how much I love you. And it's almost like he's now going to invite them into this deeper relationship where Israel will have the opportunity to show him how much they love him. Yeah, what a cool thought. Yeah, that's and so our interesting friend Alfred, to think about. We can't wait to meet him in I heaven. Know, I know. You know? Yeah. But he just said this, that rescue out of Egypt, that first 18 chapters of Exodus, um, was an expression of his love and his grace, but also a pledge of a far richer grace, which is like mm. such a cool thought. Yeah, and you go from that thought of saving grace to that thought of Exalting Exalting, grace, right? right? There's a grace that saves and then this grace that transforms and helps you to become something rather than just overcome something. And I feel like that's what we're entering into right now. Right, right. And if a person doesn't want to, they get a choice not to. Yes. They're like, no, I don't want to have that kind of relationship and I don't want to join together with you in this like co-restoration movement that you're doing. I, 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 I just kind of want to live my own, you know, life or whatever. And yeah. so, so that's what happens is they all agree. Yes. We want to live as a holy people. Yes. We want to enter into this relationship. So he goes up, gets the conditions of that covenant relationship called what we nicknamed the 10 commandments. Um, then he comes back down and delivers them to everybody And they all say, yes, we want to follow those. So chapter 24, where we start um, this section of scripture is them entering into officially that covenant relationship with God. And you'll read it and it will seem um, different. (laughs) You know, there's like sprinkling of blood on everybody and you're like, oh, but remember, (laughs) this is like an old, you know, it's an old civilization and they would have related to this. And, you know, we enter into covenants in a different kind of way Mm -hmm. today that we might relate to more, Um, but it's official. And we have this verse in your journal where they say as part of that, all that the Lord has said, will we do and be obedient? Yes, we agree to the conditions of that. And they enter into that relationship officially. And then Moses says, okay, I will return and report. And he goes back up Mount Sinai 
to now receive more instruction and more blessings and more, yeah, and, more but, right? Yeah, and I love that he's going to be tutored in how to become. That's what's going to happen when he goes up there. And then he will bring that back to these people and say, here is the process of becoming. Yeah. Here are the ordinances and covenants and everything that is going to help you not just overcome, but now actually to become something. And it, what we love is the difference in those 40 days, 40 days. That's it. Like think what has happened in the last 40 days in your life and what Moses's experience is compared to what Israel's experience is, we feel like is so significant. And we just love watching um, this process and the lessons that come from it. So we have this little box for 40 and just to like, this is a number that you might see that shows up a whole lot throughout scripture. And um, you see it in the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. You see it the 40 years that they're going to spend the children of Israel in, in that, in a wilderness also. Um, it's a number that means um, to ancient people, a time of preparation, um, sort of like uh, a journey. Yeah. Type and number. a journey. I was going to say it's a, it's a, it signifies some sort of journey is going to happen. So the fact that it's 40 days and you have different experiences with the two people kind of is almost like a microcosm for yep. a life's journey or a life's experience. Yep. Right. So let's start with Moses's. Um, did you want to say anything else about well, 40? I or wanted to look up. For yeah. It? And here it okay. is. Oh, yeah. good. So we talked about, it suggests a period of trial testing, probation or mourning. Um, and we love the thought of that, that within that journey, um, that you're, we're going to watch, something happen at the end of those 40 days? And what do we learn from what happens at the end of the 40 days? So chapters 24 through 31 is the recounting of Moses's experience up on top of Mount Sinai. You'll see that those aren't chapters that you um, necessarily read as part of this week's reading. So let's just kind of tell you what he will receive up there. He will go up there and he will receive instructions really specific instructions on how to build the tabernacle, um, which we'll talk way more about next week. And we're super excited. It's going to be really fun. So how to build this tabernacle so that God can dwell among his people. Like, and how do we have this holy, powerful being like move into our neighborhoods, you know? Yes. And like, isn't that awesome that like right now he's up on top of the mountain and everyone's looking up and he's in the fire, in the smoke. You know, but God says, I want to move into your neighborhood. You know, like yes. I want to bring my presence into. And that's what the tabernacle will become yeah. is a reminder of his presence in the midst, which I love because if you've been collecting the promises to covenant Israel with us so far on this journey, the one phrase that comes up over and over again, and it's the only phrase that comes up like this many times in a row is I will be in their midst. I will dwell with them. I will meet you in that place. Um, I will come to you. He talks about, so you love that the tabernacle becomes actual symbol of that promise that yeah. he keeps telling yeah. them over and over again. Yeah. So as you look through some of these verses, we have these verses right here in the journal. Um, just kind of you get an idea of what kind of experience Moses is having. In 24, chapter 24, 15 through 28, you start seeing words like 
Um, he's covered. Like there's something neat mm. about there being a covering, right? He's in a place of protection. And it's the glory of the Lord that abode upon the mountain. Like abode means it was there to stay. You know, it wasn't going to be temporary. Like it could be permanent, right? Um, he's in the midst of the Lord. There is glory. He's in his actual presence. Then 25 through 31 is the instructions of now I want to move in and bring my presence down to you. Um, Moses would have recognized as he hears the description of that. There's so much symbolic description of the tabernacle, which we'll do next time. But maybe, And the clothing. Yeah. It's and, so interesting. Oh, the there, priests, yeah, there's clothing so and, much oh, symbolism. And, and yeah, and I didn't write this on here on my very thing, but then also like um, ordinances of of clothing, washing, and anointing priests to enter into my presence. Like all those instructions are are given in there and, and and just consider that experience that God's like calling him into something royal and, and something sweet and something divine. And, and, and um, maybe like if you were to take one like symbol for the whole tabernacle, it was, there's a lot of flowers and trees mm. and cherubim that give you the essence of we're back in the garden of Eden. So he's almost in that place, you yeah. know, experiencing that he promises in, I put, we put this one little verse there, 25, 22, I'll meet with you. I will commune with you at the mercy seat. Um, so conversations that are centered in mercy. Again, 29, 42 through 46, I'll speak with you. I'll sanctify you. I will dwell among you. Chapter 31, verse 17 um, has words like rested, refreshed. I will be your God. And then he writes all these instructions for him with his very finger. And mm. it's like, oh, how thrilling to think of just this really close instruction and connection. And man, I'm always looking for advice yeah. from people, yeah. you know, like I want to get everybody's advice and how spectacular is it that the advice is coming like written down with, with his, with his very finger, you know? And so this is the experience that he's having. And um, there's a little cloud right there for you to just kind of write like, oh, what kind of like overarching like words would you use to describe Moses' experience up there? Yeah. Within those chapters, it's just, yeah. it's so fun to think of all those God words that are part of those chapters. Meanwhile, while he's up there on the mountain and he's there for a long time, 40 days, and there's fire burning on the mountain and smoke. And what's going to happen is in verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 1. 32. Oh, thir chapter 31? 32, verse oh, 1. Yeah. Yes, okay. good. Yeah. <laughs> chapter 32, verse 1. It says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, they gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said, up, make us gods, which will go before us. Because for as this Moses... The man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And everything Israel says in these next couple chapters make me giggle so much because I'm like, it's been 40 days. And they're like, that guy who brought us out of Egypt, uh, we don't know what happened to him. Yeah. So. And they're so bossy. Yeah. They gathered Aaron, like almost like a gang of people yes. gathering up and they're like, up. Oh. You know, and make yes. us gods. And make us a god, because we don't know what to do this now. Guy, this guy, you know. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. So then in verse 6, 
it talks about that they rose up early and they got all ready for what was going to happen. And we love this line that says they just rose up to play like they are over it. They're over Moses. They're over everything that's going on. And so meanwhile, they're down there just playing and coming up with this idea for a God. Yeah. And in case people don't know, in between those two, they actually like make the... And they're going to make a calf. Yeah. Yeah. We better... Let's say that. So they break off all... Remember when they came out of Egypt and they brought um, all that gold with them and the silver and it and the God said to them... This is going to be for my tabernacle. That's what this is going to be for. Take, take this with you. And they're like, well, I think this was supposed to be for that. But since he's not coming back, we'll just throw it in the fire and see what happens is what's going to happen. And so they make this calf. And when Aaron sees it, he builds an altar before it. And they're going to have this feast for the Lord. And they wake up and they rise up to play. Okay. All this is happening in the 40 days. And I love that meanwhile, God and Moses are having this like day by day instruction of how to become holy, (laughs) right? And it's at the very end of the whole conversation, like uh, you kind of, you know, when you are like, your kids are next to you and you just keep glancing over there, but you're like, I got to do this right now. So he's doing this, but you kind of can feel this like, you know, going on. And finally at the end, in verse seven, the Lord said unto Moses. But Moses, like he starts, he's like, okay, hasn't this been great? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I have some bad news for you. <laughs> and then he says this, go, get thee down for your people, which you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. I love that all of a sudden he's like, these are, this, this is your problem. You go down and figure out what to do yeah. with that. It it's reminds so me of like awesome. when Jenny will say like, your son skipped seminary today yes. to me. <laughs> you know, it's not ours anymore. It's yeah, like, you're going to have to yours. do something about that. And in verse eight, it tells us, they turned aside quickly out of the way, which I commanded them. Remember, 40 days ago, they were like, yes, this is what we will do and we will be obedient. And then in 40 days, you're like, what happened? You know, what happened? Not to mention the recent memory of like the Red Sea and the plagues and the, and the battle and all of that, all of it. Yes. Everything that is going on. And, um, so Moses is going to come down in that moment and I just, um, well, let's finish this and then we'll talk about it. So Moses comes down he's like, what is even happening here? And he sees the calf and the dancing in verse 19 and his anger waxes hot and he throws the tablets that he has out of his hands and they break and he took the calf and he burns it. It kind of becomes the first moment when someone breaks all commandments at once. Yeah. And you love this one conversation. You didn't even get it. What did you say? It was such a dad joke. Oh, what did you say? I said Moses broke all the commandments at once. Oh, that was <laughs> I was like, yeah, he did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, only dads get those kinds of jokes. That's They're why. They're so good, though. <laughs> um, I then I love this part that we have to just skip to, because Moses is saying to Aaron, "What happened? Yeah, like w- w- I left you for forty days. What could have gone wrong?" And in twenty-four, we love this part when um, he says. I don't know what happened. I just said, if anyone has any gold, bring it and throw it in the fire. So they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and there came out this calf. (laughs) It was like, I had no part of this because Moses is so mad in that moment, which I love that part when it's just like, 
I don't know how this happened. Somehow we got this calf. Um, when, when you think about it, like if you try to think about the process of what it would have taken to actually make yes. that, that, you're sort of like, that was really, really deliberate yes. and took some skill <laughs> and took some like thought process. And molding yeah, and you know do. what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I don't know how this but happened. But then he's just like, it was just an accident. <laughs> and I love this part too in verse 20, when Moses takes the calf that they had made and he burns it in the fire and then he grinds it to powder and he straws it upon the water and then he makes the children of Israel drink it. And I, I'm so fascinated by this whole process. And it's something I've actually thought so much about. And I just want to talk about sometimes when I read um, in Exodus and these children of Israel stories, my first inclination is to be like, why do they not get it? Like, right. why do they not get it? They, manna comes from heaven. Water comes out of a rock. You know, all these things. The, the entire Red Sea split open so they could walk through. Like, why isn't one of those memories enough um, to tie them? And I find myself a lot of the time looking at them and thinking to myself, why do they do that? Mm -hmm. Like, it's so easy to be removed. From, why did they make that calf? And... Um, do you ever feel like we hear this Exodus story over and over and over and over again? Like we know exactly what happens. And I one time was sitting down just writing and this is what I thought. I'm going to read you this little bit. It says, I have heard the story a thousand times. Sometimes it feels as if I'm becoming expert in the learning of it. It's a story about tethering, about tracing God's goodness, about choosing whether or not to give a heart to God. And um, as you think about those people from Israel, that question, where is God in this? And does he even know what's happening? And where, where is Moses? And have we been forgotten in this process? And I wonder how many times I have done that. I wonder how many times I have taken what God could have made holy and instead made it into my own mischief. And I love that. That's what it, what, while he was up there, the scriptures tell us they were making mischief. That's mm. what they were doing. And the gold tried in the fire, do I corrupt it with my doubt? Because there in the burning, what is meant for the tabernacle somehow becomes a calf. I am guilty of pointing fingers. I scoff at Israel. I wonder when they had seen so many miracles, when they had lived through so many personal experiences with God, how could they choose to walk away? How could they substitute a cold, unmoving, unfeeling object for a God who was willing to walk through the wilderness beside them, mm. to walk through fire and water with them, to provide and rescue and deliver when they could so easily trace his goodness through the everyday moments of their lives. How could they walk away? Why is it that those experiences with God's goodness didn't tie them to him forever? The silence condemns me. It reminds me that I have considered walking away. When the hope of God becomes uncertain, when the waiting game takes its toll, when the answers don't come in my timing, in my way, when they don't meet my expectations, it's true. My heart considered walking away. Yes, I have heard this story a thousand times. Sometimes it feels as if I am becoming expert in the learning of it because this story is mine and I am Israel and I have considered giving up the risk of God for the convenience of the golden calf. It is not hard for me to imagine Moses taking the calf, burning it in the fire, grinding it to powder, and making the children of Israel drink it. I take the cup, and I drink it down. I drink the mischief, 
every single bit of it. And I realize I am not filled. It cannot fill me. There is only one who can fill me. Could I tether my heart to him? Could I open my life to the prospect of making room for daily personal experiences with God? Could I learn to trace his goodness? I hear the call of Moses to the children of Israel. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. And I wonder if I will come. Mm. I just think it's so interesting to think that at one point or another, each of us is Israel. And I love the words that you wrote in there that are so familiar to us that I'm just like, uh, sometimes I'm like, why are you absent? Why are you silent? Why, why do I have to wait? You know, that yeah. those are times that, or the idea of, I just want to do this in my own way. You know, the way I'm used to, because yeah. they're borrowing from Egypt, right? Yes. And I, I, I want to do it that old way that I'm, I'm comfortable with. And, and I was actually super struck by the part that you read where, where, you, where you trade a living, speaking God for, for one that's like cold and lifeless. Yeah. And it brought, it brought me back to like our thoughts at the beginning when we were talking about there are a lot of people who are like, I don't want a God to speak. I don't want him to interfere. I yes. want him to be, to so be silent. And it's like, but you actually don't. You do want a God to intervene. You want a God to tell you you're wrong sometimes. You want a God to like insert himself into your life and not be silent about the things that will ruin you and destroy mm. you, right? Because yeah. if I live without bounds, which they're doing mm -hmm. here, the cow's not telling them what to do and not to do. They're just, yeah. they'll ruin themselves. They'll, they'll corrupt themselves, it says, their families, the whole community, you know? And it's like, oh, like you think you want this God that doesn't speak because he won't disagree with you, but... Love demands that somebody intervene and speak up and, mm. and say something, you know? Oh, that's so Anyways, good. Uh, that was just that comparison you made there was so awesome. Yeah. And so he does ask that. Um, you read the, the quote that we have here, the quote, the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Moses' quote. Um, Moses said, um, end quote. Um, <laughs> 32, 26, Moses stands at the gate of the camp and he asks that question, who's on the Lord's side? Who? Now was the time to show. <laughs> <laughs> you want to sing? That's where no, because that song reminds me of a pirate song. Oh, <laughs> doesn't it? Think of the who's on the Lord's side. Who I knew you are. Were now is the time to show. <laughs> it sounds like they're like sailing. Who's on? He's like, do you need to rewrite the music? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody rewrite the music to that song for David, will uh, you? <laughs> because he does get him to this awesome and, and that line you use. Who are you going to tether yourself to? the silent, lifeless, convenient golden calf, or yes, it seems dangerous to tether yourself to a God who's will call you out and ask you to change and, yeah. you know, but, but also one who can exalt and can make holy and, and sanctify transform. and thrill, you know, like, yes. I do, which one, which one do you, do you want? And he asks everybody, make the decision. Who will you tether yourself to? You know, you, you made this promise 40 days ago and you said, you said, all that the Lord has said, will we do and be obedient. And within 40 days, you broke commandments one and two, <laughs> like you didn't, you didn't break seven and eight, like you broke one and two yeah. right from the, the get go. And so you need to make a decision. 
Um, and these moments come to us all the time where we do make mischief and the Lord comes back and calls us and says, pause, who are you going to listen to? Yeah. Who are you going? And, and so we have this line here that to consider in your 40 days, in your journey, um, will you be seeking holiness or will you be making mischief? And I love this part in Exodus 32, 30, where it says, and it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, you have sinned a great sin. Like, I love that he's like, that you need to know where we are right now. And now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure, I shall make an atonement for your sin. And I love that thought. Like sometimes I think we underestimate a Moses or a Peter mm-hmm. or a President Nelson, mm-hmm. right? Th- this m- Moses for 40 days had been doing exactly what Moses was supposed to be doing for 40 days. He had been doing exactly what he covenanted to to do. And yet he is the one who will carry the sin of Israel on his shoulders back up to the Lord and say, can we try again? Like, Mm -hmm. how can we try again? And, And what should we do to help this people, your people, become better. And and I think maybe sometimes we neglect to appreciate the sacrifice of a Moses in our behalf. And how heavy that is. And and Moses is someone who's who's willing to do it, you know, because sometimes you just want to say, go back to being a a shepherd of sheep. They were easier (laughs) than people, you know, and like instead he he sticks it out with them because of his love for God and his love for the people. And, and no one wants to be the guy to say, you, you have sinned a great sin. Nobody, yeah. no, you know, no one wants to take that mm-hmm. job and responsibility. So it's thrilling to me when somebody does, when they're just like, I, I'll have you not like me for a minute if, if, if I can help you through this, you yeah. know? And that's such a, a sweet thought. Um, I, we put this little bu- bubble in here that before we move on to this last part, which is really cool, when it says, who's on the Lord's side, who? Oh, <laughs> who's <laughs> Can on- we keep doing that? <laughs> who's on who's, the Lord's who's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Um, <laughs> and I wrote me in a place to put a check mark. And then I love the idea of you can't fill it in this little cloud, but why? To just look back and consider why you would want to tether yourself to him, what has been the pledge of his love and what has been the reason that you would want to. And it's, it's neat to consider that you're just like, there's a reason I do want to, you know? And you love that when Moses goes up there, like God doesn't throw a tantrum. God doesn't turn his back. God doesn't say, I'm not speaking to them for three months. That's how mad I am right now. Like, I love that what's going to happen when Moses gets up there is God is going to re-manifest that unfailing love, right? That even that God who has conditions, who sets bounds, who has expectations can still be a God of unfailing love, even when those conditions and those expectations aren't met. And what we learn about unfailing love is that it becomes an expression of grace. And what we're going to see out of that unfailing love in this moment is grace when we're not perfect at keeping the conditions or the bounds. And and that grace that comes, 
I feel like is born out of that unfailing love. So these verses that we have at the bottom, like honestly, if you were to give counsel and advice to God, you would say, I think you should abandon this people. I think you should try a new group, you know, of people. Really, it took 40 days. But then you see, <laughs> you know, the this, this relationship that God is willing to stay in and stick with, you know, how constant he is. And we have three sections of verses right there where you can just... See, we're in 33. He's just like, you know, Moses is speaking for and behalf of the people. If we have found grace in your sight, show us now your way. That's verse 13. Um, and, and I love that while you're on that one. I, I love when he says, you said you know us by name, he tells them, and um, that we have found grace in your sight. So then he says in 13, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now the way that I may know thee that I may find grace in your sight. And that's what this whole lesson for me is, is just show me the way that I may know you better so I can find that grace. And I think sometimes those bounds, those conditions, those expectations are the way to know him and then to um, find that grace. And I think we forget about that. Like the grace we are asking for now, that grace that transforms and increases capacity and helps you become something, that is a grace that is found by walking in the way. That, that grace to become something is activated only when we begin walking that covenant path. And I think sometimes we forget that. We... we um, Focus so much on the grace that saves, the grace that um, just requires believing in him. And that is important. That yeah, saving you grace should, you know, you should. is important. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it heals and it delivers and it rescues. But what Moses is being called into now and the children of Israel is an exalting grace. And that to activate that kind of grace requires walking in the way. It requires actually walking a covenant path. That is a deeper grace that comes out of deeper relationship. Yeah. And, and that's the grace that helps us to become rather than just to overcome. And, and one other thing that saving healing grace does is inspires us to want to enter into a different kind of relationship. Mm. It says, oh, I can trust this God. Of love. I, yeah, because I've already seen um, what he's like. I've seen his, his motivations and and I, I'm just so struck in this part, and, and it, keep, it will happen for the rest of the Old Testament. We will just warn you <laughs> of like, I mean, it's so tra it's so tragic in, to see people make promises to each other and then for one of them to break it and for one of them to turn their back. Like that cripples relationships. Mm. It really has the ability to cripple a relationship, to yeah. like for someone to, you know, go back on their promises and their word and to, you know, be so fickle in relation. No one wants to be fickle in relation, yeah. someone like that. But for God to come back and he, and he just says, you know, that what we see in 33 and in 34, he says, um, let's hew two new stables of tone, stone and, and I will write upon those. And if you look in your JST for 34.1, you will see the difference between that old set of stones and the new set of stones. And we'll talk about the difference a little more next week and what that teaches about him. But for right now, I think it's just important to say, like, we're going to try again, right? That here's a God who says, okay, 
two new two new stone tablets. And know? I love this part too that you'll you'll kind of as you research into this realize if the first one was too difficult or, or felt like too big of a step here let's let's start right here. Let let me meet you where you are yeah. and we'll start there and then together we're going to walk through this covenant path of becoming I love, you still see in him that grace that meets you where you are. That he's like, okay, let's try this again. And I'm still going to help you um, become exalted. But let's start at this place that will allow you to enter that process a little bit easier. Yeah, well said. And then verses six and seven are actually, if you you have um, friends who are of the Jewish faith and you ask them, what's your favorite verse? A lot of them might tell you 34, 6 through 7. It's sort of like their John 3, 16. <laughs> if we can make that comparison. Just one that's like, oh, because in this conversation, the Lord reminds Moses of what his characteristics are. And he says, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God is merciful and gracious. He's long suffering and he is abundant in goodness and truth. He keeps mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And also says, but by no means will clear the guilty because I, I, those, I, that has to be rooted out of you. I will not ignore injustice and I will not ignore rebellion and and I have to answer for that. And you want me to, you want me to. And he just gives this you know, this, this promise and description of what his heart and character is. And that's why we picked this word for this week, this idea of him just being a, a gracious and, and good God, one who should have given up. And you love that that's how this part ends, because I love that in that moment, and each of us have had those moments where we have offended someone, right? Um, and even sometimes greatly offended someone. And you're so nervous to go back into that relationship and just like, apologize. Since and be, it's so yeah, hard. It is, you yeah, want and, it to fix. You yes. feel like you're like, oh, yeah. you about it. And you know, sometimes you leave those things and, and it doesn't go well, right? You're fired or you're whatever happens from that moment. But I love what happens here is um, that the Lord comes by, like the last thing he says to Moses is, Moses, remember who I am. Hmm. Like, let's just remember who I am. Um, and, and I am going to keep mercy and I'm going to be gracious and long suffering. This is going to take a long time. We're going to work through this together. And I love the last thing that Moses says is, if I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. And I just love that invitation of, okay, let's try this again. And, And you actually just watch both of them saying, okay, Let's have a do-over. And, and this time it's going to be a do-better, right? We, we can't fix what happened on the other side of the mountain. But when you come back down again, we can have a do-better yeah. this time and, and move into this deeper relationship again. And I feel like we're going to have this moment over and over again in our life that we're going to get to the point where we're like, yes, this feels good. This is what I want to do. And 40 days later, we're going to be like, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> I do not know how that calf right. came up out of the fire, but I do see a calf here. So what should we do? And the Lord's saying, that's okay. Let's just try again. Let's just start again and move forward again. And I feel like that is the beauty of this 
chapter. Yeah, and and the beauty of this whole book, yeah. right? To just see that promise he made to Noah. Remember, I I will not give up. Yeah. On the human family, well, I'm, I'm gonna keep reaching out. I'm going to like. Yes. I'm gonna. You're so rebellious, but I, not only will I forgive you, but I still will call you back to that great commission again yes. and into that relationship. Into that again. relationship, and I love. It makes me think of one of our other favorite stories about a calf. Um, in the New Testament, right? This is our Old Testament calf. And when we get to the New Testament, we will see another calf. And it is a fatted calf that is sacrificed for an elder son and for a younger son who went out and spent all his father had and then eventually comes home again. And, And we watch this fatted calf experience happen. And I think to myself, I, I just want to remember the importance of those two calves, Mm. um, the golden calf. Am I choosing that? Or am I choosing the thought of this sacrifice of a fatted calf who is the coming home, who is the bringing in, who is the celebration of the gathering and the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham that that the father's going to stand at the window and watch. Mm. He is. And, and in Moses' story, he's going to stand on the mountain and watch. But for each of us, um, we're going to have that choice of, do I choose the golden calf, a God who will not speak to me, or do I choose, um, you know, this fatted calf, this sacrifice that represents this, represent, this yeah. coming home um, that also is the beautiful promise of God's unfailing love for all of his children, the God who stands at the window and watches mm. and says, let's start again. And let's start again until we get this right. Oh, that that's so awesome. <laughs> that was really cool. All right. We'll see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.